this company's never been more profitable. You mean hugely profitable? I like it. Dayporter.com presents The Profitable Cleaner, a podcast on commercial cleaning sales and entrepreneurship. The one podcast that's not afraid to discuss real sales strategies with real cleaning professionals that produce real profits and real results. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Profitable Cleaner Podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. I'm rolling with my co-host, Angel Sandoval, and more importantly, our guest today, Matt Harris. Matt, what's up, brother? You're calling in from the UK. uh, It's probably 7, 8 p.m. there, so we appreciate the the late night hanging out with us. How's it going today, Matt? Right. Oh, James, you just came back, brother. You were out for a solid 35, 40 seconds. So we didn't hear anything you just said on the intro. Oh, well, there we go. Well, what's up, everyone? I will do take two of this on the Profitable Cleaner podcast. We got Angel Sandoval with me today. We have our boy, Matt Harris, rolling out in the UK. I think it's like 7, 8 p.m. at night out there, Matt. So thanks for uh, hanging out with us on the late night tip here, man. So Matt, how's it going today, brother? Yeah, all good, man. All good. It's um, it has been an action packed day, but I'm looking forward to just sitting down, having a chat and, um, you know, seeing where the conversation goes. Cool. So this is what we know to be true about the one and only Matt Harris. We know you're a recovering lawyer, attorney, obviously a former business owner in the commercial cleaning space. And now you're the founder of the Growth Lab that helps really just cleaning business owners accelerate their business development and their sales growth. You have your own podcast, man. And uh, 30 seconds or less, man, give everyone kind of a quick introduction of who you are and what you do. Sure. So, um, look, as you mentioned, uh, I was a practicing lawyer for a while. I retired myself in 2013. I set up my cleaning business originally as a side hustle. Um, and then I got it to a point where I could quit work. Uh, so 2013 sort of focused on growing the business. And for uh, the first sort of three years, we doubled in size, which was pretty good. Um, then we bought our first business and that was really the, the, I think point of no return because as much as it was exciting buying a business and sort of trying to integrate that, um, you know, it came with a lot of headaches um, and we went through a bit of a rocky phase for a couple of years, but then um, then we got to a point where we won a couple of really big contracts, which was great, uh, pivoted the business from having staff to outsourcing everything. And then I got to a point where I'd set up a property management business um, and I just thought now is the time to sell the cleaning business. So I sold it just before lockdown. My property management business didn't make it through lockdown, unfortunately. And then um, I was spending time online looking uh, in cleaning communities, just checking out what's going on. And two big problems that I found was uh, people were struggling to find contracts and people were struggling to find and retain staff. So I thought, okay, well, I think I can help with the first point. And um, Uh, You know, one approach that I used quite successfully was sort of cold emails, email outreach, cold calling. Uh, I gave some suggestions, got some good feedback, and that kind of sowed the seed to start the Growth Lab. Um, And the Growth Lab now, we work with commercial cleaning businesses, essentially, uh, to help them with, yes, with lead generation, but more sort of in a business development context, like finding new opportunities um, and sales is a part of that, you know, lead generation is a part of that. Um, but it's also just putting the right sort of infrastructure in place so that business owners can, 
you know, have a system for sales ultimately. Love it, man. What's Love the, it. I have a question real quick, unless you do, James. Go for it, man. Cool, cool, cool. So you said you said Legion. So we'll just jump in straight into it. Um yeah, real yeah. quick before we do this. Before I ask this question, for anyone that's gonna listen, um, hmm. what size deals are you talking about? That way as, they know what sure. yeah, like as, as a recurring revenue or our annual contracts, what's like that target that right now that you help achieve on average? So look, uh on average the contract value is anywhere between a hundred thousand to maybe five hundred thousand a year. Uh, the businesses that we tend to work with are between one and 10 million in revenue. Um, and, and yeah, that, that is generally the, the sort of contract size. There are bigger ones, but for those, there is, um, a formal tender process, which is quite long and drawn out. Uh, there's government contracts that are obviously, you know, higher value. Um, yep. but those are the kind of easier pickings. I'm not saying it's completely easy, but they're easier. They're easier to access those sorts of opportunities. Understood. Gotcha. So there's, which leads to my question. So if basically if you're going for a hundred to 500 K a year, stay tuned, listen, there'll be some good cold golden nuggets here. That's why I wanted to make sure we touched on that. Yeah. Um, Cause there's some people looking for $500 a month and a thousand dollars a month, which are cool, sure. but the different conversation. So let me ask you, what's the difference <laughs> between lead generation and business development? Cause you so mentioned lead- that they're separate. So I just want to make sure uh, people that are listening, understand the difference. Yeah, sure. So lead generation in my eyes is um, finding uh, outreach for opportunities that um, don't necessarily, actually, no, that's not a good description. So there's inbound and outbound lead gen. So inbound, we all know, um, adverts, social media, um, SEO, outbound, generally our our approach is uh, cold email, warm calls, and LinkedIn. Um, and it is finding opportunities, finding uh, prospects that aren't necessarily in a buying position right now, but can be nurtured into making that decision. Business development, in my uh, opinion, is more um, a strategic sort of approach, like taking a, a broader picture and saying, look, this is where the business is right now. Like, what are the opportunities within the channels that we're working with? But also, what are the broader opportunities that we can take advantage of that, you know, we're set up to kind of facilitate? Um, So, for example, uh, thinking back to when I had my cleaning business, um, we wanted to win more commercial cleaning contracts. So we wanted to work with partners that already had access to clients where there was an easy selling. So one approach that we took was uh, partnering with security companies. Um, I did a, a prepared a research report. Um, and essentially there was, uh, there was a challenge in the security sector from facilities management businesses because facilities management businesses could offer a range of services, manned security companies were getting pushed out of the market. So quite a lot of them were looking to offer dual service. So either adding on an additional soft service or providing, um, additional security options, you know, tech options, installing, um, cameras, that kind of stuff. So, uh, when I realized that opportunity was available, I was like, cool, we're going to target security companies. We're going to partner up with them and we're going to say, look, you know, you can either, uh, you can increase your earnings per client for zero cost by partnering with us. And the proposition was pretty straightforward because all you had to do was go to your existing client and say, look, 
um, Mr. Client, we're already at your premises looking after your premises throughout the night. We know that you have cleaners. It's going to be more cost effective for you to employ one company to deal with those two aspects. Let's take care of that for you. We then come in, provide the cleaning services. We either um, white label our service to the security company so that they put their margin on and charge whatever, or you know they bring us in as a partner and we paid them a little bit. We paid them a little bit commission on the back end. But either way, they made extra revenue and their client retention came up because they had an opportunity um, to offer an additional service um, and everyone was a winner. Like we won and they won. And that was, you know, that that's what I look at in terms of business development, finding those sorts of opportunities. Man, yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's genius. I love it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that I'm so glad that you mentioned the man. That was like my question because it's a lot of people, they put business development managers, sales, lead generation, marketing, and they put everything into one bucket and then they categorize everything as one and they only measure it based on leads that come in and closes mm. that I'm getting, right? Which is yeah. cool, but that's like the scoreboard, right? That's the scoreboard. But when you're watching football, like you still got to figure out, oh, am I on offense on this one? <laughs> am I on defense? Am I the safety? Am I actually going for a touchdown or is this just clock management until I get to where I can just punch it in at the end? Like, I don't think a lot of people think of of everything, like the whole ecosystem together, yeah. Um, and we get that a lot. And so that's why I want to make sure you, you saw that because it's one thing to have someone cold calling and prospecting and it's another developing the business to be yeah, able to se sure. secure yourself to set up something like what you were talking about. Yeah. So I love that business dev and, and versus lead generation um, difference. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I think the for business development, it's just it's it's more sort of understanding um, neighboring markets that you work in, right? Uh, property managers, for example. Uh, if you think of uh, a, a property manager, what sort of services do they need? Okay, so they need cleaning. Cleaners are normally the last people in a property. What else would help a property manager? Removals help a property manager because when people move out, obviously they need to move their stuff somewhere and a removal company is going to help. So as from a cleaning company perspective, you might think, well, actually, it, it would be good for us if we wanted more tenancy cleans to partner with a removal company or with a maintenance company, um, because, you know, they are going to create dirt or they're going to have clients that are going to need this sort of service um, and we can partner with them. And, and it's going to be a win-win for everyone because, you know, they're going to make extra money with very little additional sales and actually from the cleaning company perspective it's zero cost marketing right because all you're having to do is build that relationship you're not having to post any ads or create any additional content you're having to speak with the owner of the removal company the maintenance company the security company say look do you think this is the right opportunity for you they just need to say yes and they do the selling for you like that's zero cost there's only upside I have a question here. I, I love this approach. Uh, we believe in a similar type of approach, especially in the property management sector. Mm. And you're right, a property manager, a security company, they do the selling for you. In my opinion, the real sales part for the cleaning company comes in is actually starting the relationship and opening the door with that property manager, with that security company. Talk to us a little bit about 
that type of outreach. So how you approach a property manager or a security company almost as a partner versus a prospect, how are you framing that outreach versus like just well, a cold legion outreach? The property sure. manager, you're not seeing them as partners, right? The property manager, they're your prospect, right? You were saying that they have removals, they're like the, whatever additional services they need, right? Yeah, property First, manager not is, the listener, sorry. is going to be more of a prospect. Security man, uh, the security uh, business, the security business owner, the approach that I took was um, doing some research, like finding, understanding what their pain was, which was challenges from uh, facilities management, the fact that um, cost per clients were going down and the re client, client retention was decreasing. So I thought, okay, cool. Those are the problems. How can I solve those problems? That's when that led me to uh, what are some security companies doing that others aren't. And I realized that they're offering additional services. So then I thought, great, how can I package this up so that I can approach a security business owner and say, look, I understand what your problem is. You know, here's some evidence to show that this is a problem, even if you're not currently aware of it. And here is my solution to you. So all I did literally, once I had that research report prepared, I, I did just hit the phones and I, and I was just like, look, would you be open to having a conversation? And I spent a good two or three months driving around. I had maybe 25, 30 meetings with uh, different businesses. And that led to three signing up as partners. And, you know, we generated a hundred, maybe 150,000 pounds plus in revenue off that first year. Um, so it was more of a partnership approach rather than a sales approach because Ultimately, you're working together on the end, on the end client to, to win the opportunity from the end client. And yes, um, even though in some instances you could be viewed as the, you can view the security company as your client, ultimately the end goal is serving the end client, right? The, the, the office holder, the, you know, the landlord, whoever it is, the, of the, property that you want to get into that that is the end client that's what you need to focus on and if the security uh, business only realizes that yes you can add value to my business and I, I can see that you're going to provide the right sort of service then actually that that speaks for itself so follow-up question there you answered one of my questions on like how you mm. prospected the security companies almost to find out yeah. what buildings they had you just straight up drove around and did your own yeah, research yeah. I love that how long did that relationship come to fruition once you got the meeting with those three security companies and like till you actually got in the door with that building? Just talk to us about timeline there. So the whole, uh, from doing the research to driving around to getting our first opportunity probably took about six months. Um, and then, you know, from getting in the door, carrying out a couple of site visits to actually getting the contract signed up all in all was probably seven or eight months total. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not the quickest win, but I think it's worth investing that time because if you find an opportunity and, you know, you just need that first partner to work with you um, and then you've got proof of concept and then you can use that to leverage, to go to other partners and, you know, other uh, potential partners and say, look, it's working with one, I know it can work with you too. Yeah, I, I say that because I think for the people listening right now, you got to consider 
the sales process more of a long game, especially if you're talking like a partnership. But I would say six to eight months is worth it for $150,000 per year contract. And then if you duplicate that or the lifetime of that contract, it becomes worth it, man. So yeah. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that, brother. Last question, then I'm going to toss it to Angel because I know he's probably got a list of them. You mentioned a word in the very beginning, and we kind of talked about lead gen versus biz, biz dev and all that. You mentioned a specific word, sales structure. You say like, oh, the Growth Lab talks a lot about sales structure. I don't think there's a lot of sales structure in companies, um, let alone janitorial companies. Yeah. When you hear the word sales structure, what's that mean to you? And how can that really be a benefit to a janitorial company? And how should they be viewing that? Sure. So uh, from my perspective, it is having a process. Like what does from the uh, moment you reach out to a potential or to a prospect to them signing up to a contract, like what, what, does, what do those steps look like? What's the buyer journey? How many touch points? Where where are they finding you? Are they finding you on social? Are they finding you on the web? Uh, you know, are they finding you at networking events? Like what, how many steps, how visible are you throughout that process? Um, and, you know, there is, it's more than just generating the lead and picking up the phone. You know, you kind of need to have a structure in place that, nurtures opportunities that don't convert, you know, on the first attempt. Um, what does that look like? Do you have a newsletter? Do you, you know, provide value on LinkedIn? Uh, do you have a podcast? You know, what, what else are you doing to kind of position yourself as the expert to serve this particular client or these particular clients? Um, and what I found from speaking quite with quite a lot of big businesses is that they just, they don't even have a CRM. Okay. Not even a CRM. I, I know that. And that's understandable. You can work off a spreadsheet. They don't even have that. No pen or paper. No, like, well, I think like, I mean, we're in 2023. Should you not have a CRM? Like, is that actually absolutely. like, <laughs> is that actually absolutely. like, uh, uh, normal like it like you know what i mean like is this, this is not it's not yeah we can run a spreadsheet i get it back in the day you could run a spreadsheet maybe even paper and paper because the technology wasn't there or it was ridiculously expensive now you can't now your phone could be a crm like i don't understand yeah yeah let me let me what, what are some common mistakes that you see companies make or not have and what are some absolutes that you're like at a minimum have this Just have a crm or have some sort of system to track when you contacted someone what the conversation was and when you're going to follow up just have that that in itself you know is going to increase the chances of you getting more opportunities than not having that yeah you can get a lot more fancy and technical but just have just even have the basics in place um and and pe people just that, you know, I've, I've spoke, I'm speaking with uh, a business that's grown from two to 10 million in the last three years uh, that, you know, they're very uh, focused on operations. Great. They deliver an, an amazing service. One guy, commercial director, he's in charge of sales. He's got a pipeline uh, for the year. They'll probably convert about 50% of it. 
no CRM, no, no, like no way of tracking who he's hmm. spoken to or when he needs to follow up with them, nothing. And it, it just, it just astounds me, man. Like, how can you get to that sort of size and not have systems in place? You said, you, you said 50% when they inbound? Is that what uh, he'll convert 50% of pipeline. So, uh, the, wow. um, all of that has been generated from inbound. So from referrals. Yeah. Well, so it's like, there's two ways to look at it, right? There's like, damn it. You're not tracking what you're doing, but if you're, if your close rate is 50% just on referrals, I almost wonder, like, it's not like, how do you, my brain goes, uh, how do you get to that size on accident? But my brain's like, imagine what size you could be with a little know, bit of this intentionality. Is this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Um, so it's been a learning curve for me because originally, you know, I was just approaching these uh, cleaning businesses saying, look, let me find the opportunities for you. But the more I've, I've been speaking with them, the more I've realized, well, actually, even before we find the opportunities, let's take a step back. Let's actually put some foundations in place for you. You know, let, let's get you some basics. Let's let's get you a CRM. Let's at least have a very simple sales process for you to follow. So from the moment, you know, you find an opportunity, you, you contact them, like what, what happens after that? Do you just forget about them and contact them again in a year or never? Or do you have, you know, some sort of system in place whereby every two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, they hear from you in some sort of way? Um, you know, do you have a follow up procedure where, yes, uh, you've spoken with them this time, they weren't interested, but you know, you follow up in three or four months time and say, Hey, I'm back, you know, is, is there still an opportunity? They might say no. Okay, cool. I'll speak to you again in another three or four months. Who knows? Um, so even just putting those sorts of foundations in place so that they're better prepared to, you know, accept opportunities that come along. I, I mean, I, and I'll be honest, look guys, when I had my business, I'll be very honest. I didn't do this. I didn't. Not at all. I looked at different CRMs, but it took me probably five years of running my business to get to that point. Um, and yes, did it help afterwards? For sure. Like, you know, we ended up winning our biggest contract because we had a follow-up procedure, because we were constantly staying in touch with these clients, uh, with this particular client, um, because we had records of previous conversations, because, you know, we logged personal comments that they were saying, and, you know, we built a rapport with them and it took, you know, it took maybe nine months to, to get across the line, but, you know, without, um, having that CRM in place, I don't think we would have necessarily converted that opportunity. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah, but, um, I, I agree. I think organization CRMs is super important, especially on a sales follow-up. Let me ask you, um, Give some people some golden nuggets on maybe some tips and tricks that you realize that you do um, or that you've implemented in other companies that you're like, uh, you should be doing this and you're not doing it. So like, for example, one of the things I love doing is after any meeting, regardless if we set up a follow-up or not, I love sending summaries. I love okay. sending, sending summaries, key points that we identified, next steps, like prompts we identified, why it might be a, why it might be the best solution, next steps, and then make sure that everybody was on that party 
um, is CC'd in, inside of that. And not a lot of people do that, right? So I just wanted to double check. And what are some golden nuggets you would share with people maybe on, on those? So I am, I also have a summary, but I, I send a little two or three minute video. So I'll send an email and in uh, the email will be a link to like a video video where I'm just like, look, hey, this, these are the key takeaways from uh, our conversation. This is what I suggest is the next steps. I know you're not in a position right now, uh, but perhaps, you know, I can circle back in three, four, six months and we can continue the conversation. Um, and it's all, it, it's nice to have that sort of personal touch. Um, and also it shows that you're putting in a little bit more effort and, and I guarantee nine times out of 10 clients, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get that. Um, so that helps. I think also, um, you know, taking like the multi-channel approach. Yes. You're going to reach out to them on email, connect with them on LinkedIn, shoot them a message and, and also actually be proactive in engaging with some of their content. Some people are just not active at all. Others are super active. So engage because by doing that, you're subconsciously, you're going to be showing up in, in their mind, right? So even in three, four, six, 12 months time, when you do reach back out to them, they will, they will recognize your name. They'll be like, okay, yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, we've connected on LinkedIn and I've liked some of your stuff and you've liked some of my stuff and we've seen some comments like this is, it's just, it's simple stuff. Um, no, that's such dude. That's such a, the one you just talked about. I call it, like dopa, it. I, I call it a dopamine hit whenever I train. It's like we're addicted to text messages, red alerts, Instagram DMs. Like if you show up and there's a like in a comment and a message, like it's a dopamine hit, right? Uh -huh. So I always tell people like email is cool because that's business. That's where you run your business or call. Yeah. Because um, we don't want to see a flooded email. But like when you do any LinkedIn hunting, it's like, can you take care of that small dopamine that we're all addicted to that social media has given us? Can we leverage that addiction and throw some dopamine in their brain so that they, when they <laughs> yeah. see LinkedIn, they think angel. When they see angel, they think cleaning. When they think cleaning, right? It's like what I love to like map out, like in what journey do I need to throw a dopamine hit so that they can start, I can start programming them as crazy as it sounds to when they think of a specific word or a specific action, they see my uh -huh. face in there. Nice. I love like does that make sense? And Anchoring, that's all part of the NLP sales man. Part. Get in there. Oh hell yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. Some NLP in here living their yeah. subconscious, man. It's true. And yeah. also wait, you know, like that's you gotta disrupt it. You gotta use what they're already addicted to and what they're already triggered and programmed by and yeah. then be able to uh, show them a different way, right? Once you have their attention. Uh, one of my mentors said it like all of you want to sell, 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 and that's cool. Um, but the first thing you gotta do is just get their attention. Yeah, you don't have sure. their attention, you can't do anything. He's like, attention, then make them aware of what's going on after they're aware and you have the attention, then you dive deeper into what the problem is and then present or get permission to present their solution. And every yeah. time I do that, I'm like, that's why people that get the most attention win first. That's yeah. why we hate, we all hate Grant Cardone as a sales trainer. Like there's better Dude. sales trainers, but Grant Cardone is He's not a sales face, trainer. He's a marketing <laughs> genius. That even though he's not the best sales trainer, when you think sales, you think Grant Cardone. Absolutely. When you think real estate, you think Grant Cardone, apartment flipping, Grant Cardone, money, Grant Cardone. Jeff, when you hear Cardone, 10X. Every, yeah, 10. Yeah, you hear 10 or multiplier, 10, anything that scales is Grant Cardone. Yeah. That's, 
he just knows how to program us to think Grant Cardone as much as we hate. And even the people that hate him, they still they still talk about him. That's yeah. tension, tension, tension. I think one thing, just, just before um, we move on from that, I think one approach that I am uh, going to be trying very soon is hosting sort of regular webinars and then, you know, on something of value. Obviously, from my perspective, I'm, I'm looking at targeting cleaning business owners, but also I want to test to see whether, whether we can target some uh, prospective clients for cleaning business owners, hosting a webinar, building a list off the back of that, and then, you know, breaking down the webinar into uh, short bits of content, and then using that as part of uh, a campaign to sort of reach out to potential prospects and say, look, you know, we understand this is a, a potential pain point. You know, here's a little two minute clip of a longer webinar um, that you can check out here if you wanted to, or just check out this little clip and see whether or not it's of value. Um, because I think by, you know, you, you need to position yourself, whether you're in my position or whether you're a cleaning business owner, you need to position yourself as, as the expert. And that does mean getting out of your comfort zone a little bit and putting yourself out there. Um, and it also means just providing value, right? And if you recognize something, uh, even if you think, oh, you know, a lot of people are going to know that, there's going to be one or two that don't. And it's those people that you want to get on the radar of because they're the ones that are going to be converting and becoming your clients. And the fact that we have tech nowadays, the fact that we can, you know, post a video on LinkedIn or on YouTube and direct someone to it for like minimal cost should be taken advantage of. Um, that's something that I've been mulling over for a while. It's, I can't remember where I, I read about uh, the approach, but I just, I just think there's a, a ton of, a ton of value in that even you know with the podcast like chopping the podcast up but i think hosting a, a webinar on one particular topic um and then using that to sort of generate interest is is going to be is going to be interesting i don't know if you read yeah go, on. go for it go for it, go for it. I, I was gonna say i don't know if you read that from anywhere or if maybe you were just secretly like angel shadow because angel <laughs> angel and, and has talked about this forever like taking like those clips of content and using it almost as like sales objections and like cold emails, like just little clippets uh, of that stuff. We had a, a client host, it wasn't a webinar, but he hosts like uh, educational lunch for property managers. Mm, and nice. you know, it was a good opportunity. He spent a couple hundred dollars on lunch, but he had seven, eight of them all in one room that have access to multiple properties. And we know that property management uh, or property managers want to be educated. So I think that's awesome. Uh, before think, we do move on, it. Angel, chime oh, in here. Yeah, yeah. sorry. I was just going to say like for the event, uh, that's such an undervalued, undervalued thing. Um, what you can do is you can create an event. I'll just drop some, a little bit of a nugget. So like you can create an event inside of LinkedIn, host mm. a webinar on like StreamYard, Vidyard, wherever, but like do it inside of LinkedIn. Like talk to the end user of your end user. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so like if you're going after cleaners, I would almost interview a property manager or a commercial yeah, real yeah. estate or a facility manager in LinkedIn, host it. You can invite everybody. They can invite everybody. And then when they sign up for the event, you automatically get them as part of your 
as nice. part of your email list and part of your prospect list, even with their LinkedIn profile there. That's the nice. cool part. Cause then you can just go, you almost like building your own LinkedIn um, lead uh, list from an event that they're going to get value from. Cause you're yeah. talking about their end user, not them as a user. So it's really interesting. That's something that's coming up, not just for, for a few companies that I know, that's something that we're going to be doing. Um, nice. because webinars are so underrated, so yeah, undervalued. Man. Um, if you do them the right way, they're a huge hit. They're a huge yeah. hit. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about something that you have with speaking of content that you have content out there. And this is actually the very first video that caught my attention of you, Matt, uh, Matt and I got to meet over Twitter out of all mm. places talking about social media and content but you have this video it's like the main video on your youtube page definitely go check out uh matt harris and the growth lab on youtube but you said use alex hermosi's 100 million dollar offer framework to grow your cleaning business yeah. angel and i are big alex hermosi fans if you're listening you don't know who alex hermosi is definitely go get his book 100 million uh offers it's like 99 cents on amazon uh but talk to me about about that that yeah, line yeah. is actually kind of what drew me into your content using the 100 million dollar offer framework to grow your cleaning business yeah so what i liked about the framework obviously look almost is a g um so when i read the book i thought okay how, how can this be applied to cleaning and uh, the the big thing with cleaning is quite often it is seen as a commodity, right? So I think what I liked about the framework is, is obviously positioning yourself in a category of one. So going down value rather than price and, you know, yeah, there's uh, the market finding the right buyers and, um, uh, you know, bonuses and guarantees, which aren't necessarily so important for, um, uh, for cleaning, but the finding the right niche and separating your um your service offer so that you're you're not a commodity it was that aspect of it that i was attracted to so i thought back to okay what did we used to do or how could we have offered things different and quite often with um with cleaning you know when you take over a new contract uh in my experience a lot of the time you know the office manager the facilities manager they'll just say, look, this was the previous schedule. Like, just carry on. This, this is what we want. That's all good. Um, so on a cup, sort of later on in my journey, what we did try was saying, look, rather than just carrying on uh, what was there before, you know, we want to bring it up to our standards. So allow us to carry out a deep clean, like top to bottom, um, you know, everything from the floors, going up to high level, clean every surface, because we want to make sure that we're able to maintain, you know, an 85% plus pass mark for sort of quality assurance. And currently your, your building isn't really up to that. So immediately you're pointing out to them, look, you, you know, if you're going to appoint us as your uh, cleaning business, then, then we're going to bring your premises up to standards, especially if you're client facing, like you don't want cobwebs around you. You don't want dust on the sideboards. Like you want to make sure that your, your office is, you know, your premises on point. Um, so approaching it from that perspective, like going in with, yes, we used to, um, charge quite a high rate for the, for the deep clean, but that was to get the property back up to a standard that it needed to be at. And then 
obviously from then there the uh, recurring bit is is the office cleaning contract and you can you can offer different sort of levels of the contract depending on you know gold silver or bronze uh, standards what do you want included in in your cleaning service um and i think taking that sort of approach didn't necessarily put our cleaning business in the category of one but it sort of separated our service from you know joe blogs a cleaner who would just go in and say yeah we can carry on the cleaning at you know this price and on the previous schedule that you had there before what we would try to do is you know we focused a lot on uh, building building the relationship element so we were heavy on communication um so everything from carrying out regular audits um you know making sure that the uh the um the quality assurance is hands off so we would mark our own standards of cleaning to you know keep ourselves accountable and then we would um send through reports on uh, a monthly basis to the client saying look this is what the standards of your office cleaning is no need to worry you know we've taken care of any deficiencies that we spotted and sort of taking that approach in itself separated us i know for sure from quite a lot of the cleaning business especially smaller cleaning businesses we weren't a big player by any stretch of the imagination but you know when you're when you're um in a competitive market it's the small things that you do that are going to make you stand out um and yes offering a deep clean up front and then uh you know different packages depending on budget whatever the case may be making sure that you're on point with communication having regular audits like these are they may sound like simple things but you'd be surprised how often you know they're not being received by the current provider and you know if you do want to stand out from the crowd you know operate in a market of one be in a category of one then that those sorts of little nuances are, are going to be the the added value that that are going to allow you to you know charge better prices and offer a better service overall so that was generally the approach that i was um taking when it comes to you know using hormozy's uh, 100 million dollar offer framework and definitely focusing on like don't don't view yourself as a commodity that's a mistake i made for a very long time uh, with my cleaning business you just um, hit it start to finish man you just went through the whole offer package man i'm gonna i gotta give i gotta give some love to 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 angel right here because you hit on something big man I just got to throw this out there. You talked about audits, quality control, and given a level of reporting, attention to detail, right? Which a, yeah. a lot of cleaners don't do. If you guys are wondering how you do that, all I'm going to say is contact Angel. Angel can help mm. you with that, man. <laughs> that uh, I'm, I'm telling you, man, he can help you with that. And I, it, But it puts you in the category of one, right? Technology mm. puts you in a category of one. Mm. Approach, your approach is different category of one productize your offer and often even i'm guilty of this i don't think of cleaning as an offer yeah we're offering a service but are you actually selling a specific offer and marketing it as such and i love that man so and it's yeah. also like alex talks a lot about like experience right like how can you remove the friction how do you keep it simple for the buyer how do you package it the right way like you said it's funny there's some there's a lot of companies that actually do a lot of internal um quality control they have strong operations badass account coordinators recruiters 
they don't highlight any of it or they do the report, but they keep it internal until the client asks. Right. So it's like one thing that we've been diving deep over here that I appreciate from some bigger companies that I do is like the experience that the customer gets to, gets to experience from the moment that who the hell are you to I've been with you for five years. What's the whole customer into buyer into client journey and like, how are they experiencing everything? Right. Yeah. And I think that's also part of like you were mentioning back to the beginning is like the business development manager portion. It's, it's managing all of that. Right. Um, so I really like where the conversation went, really enjoy that portion of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, man. Uh, look, I think, um, I think a lot of the time when, when I was running my cleaning business, I was too busy focusing on, on being stuck in the business, right? It just like day to day, managing the teams, cleaning site visits, all that kind of stuff. It was really only when like I, I took a step back and, you know, allocated time in my week to be like, look, don't focus on operations and, and delivering. Like, what can you do to, to grow your business? And ultimately, you know, allocating that time, whether it was half an hour um, a week or a couple of hours a week where I could just go away and think, that led me to, you know, realizing some of these things. It led me to, you know, realizing there was an opportunity with the security stuff. Led me to realizing, look, we need to kind of package our, our service up a little bit different. And, you know, small business owners, especially with cleaning, um, a lot of the time they spend on the tools in operations. You kind of, you just need to give yourself, you know, even if you're, if you don't have the resources necessarily to have a, a manager or, uh, you know, have a, a, a business development um, exec or whatever the case may be, just to give yourself a bit of breathing space from the business so that you can, you can look at it holistically and be like, okay, what, what needs to change? Like, how can I give myself this sort of breathing space more regularly? What needs to change in that respect? And how, you know, with the clients that I'm servicing right now, with the markets that I'm operating in right now, like, where else do the opportunities lie? Um, And it is, you know, you're not going to be struck by bolts of lightning every time. But the more consistently you give yourself that break, the more likely it is that you'll start thinking about, uh, okay, yeah, actually, I can see that now, I, you know, I can start seeing, I can start understanding the matrix, you know, these numbers start popping up and you, you start connecting the dots a little bit. Um, you know, something that you said right there, man, um, I don't even know if I would call it like, make sure you find a break to do this. I think it's like, you have to do this. Um, one mm-hmm. of our mentors and he, uh, I mean, great guy, one of our mentors, he literally goes like every like a hundred thousand dollar commercial cleaning company and a fifty million to a billion dollar company, the CEOs have the same title. <laughs> He's like they have the different responsibilities mm-hmm. now at that point, right? Of the different size, and I was like, okay, interesting. So he's I was like, so what's the difference? And he was saying like they get stuck in something called the I, the we, and the they. Mm-hmm. And he says like most most business owners they stay on the I. Oh, I'll do it. I'll run it. I'll mm. clean it. I'll do it. He's like, that's cool. You have to graduate to we, which is then, okay, James and I do it. Me and my partner do it. Me and blah, 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 do it. He's like, you gotta, then you got to graduate on becoming a provider to same day to where if anything comes to you, it's, I don't do it. I don't yeah. know. 
And so I was like, interesting. So how do you know the difference between like an operator mindset and a leader? And he's like time allocation. Yeah, man. If you wake up every day and your time allocated is not le towards leading and strategic decisions for growth, then you're still an operator. You're not really a CEO. You can call yourself a CEO as much as you want, but you're a worker in the business. Yeah. You're not the one working the business. So it's really cool when he told me that because I was like, time allocation. That's like I thought it was going to be like this crazy answer. <laughs> and he's like, nope, time allocation. So if 60% of your time, 70% of your time is standing, running the everyday operations, putting out fires, you're an operator. And you're not allowing your brain to make the strategic decisions that Matt is saying so that you can definitely grow the business. Yeah. I realized, actually, that's a very good analogy because I have recently um spoken with a couple of ceos of um quite big sort of 40 50 million pound um sort of cleaning operations and um you know they they refer to they quite a bit oh my t my team will handle that oh speak to such and such in my team like he'll take it or oh, i'll connect you with this guy on my team he'll take care of that and that's how you know i'm, I'm having a couple of conversations now with their teams um you know to see whether we can do anything and it is it's so true man i, I think uh, the time allocation like they need to focus on the two three four five things that are going to give you know have the greatest leverage um when you're an operator you you know everything is everything is um urgent right you're, you're not focusing on the important um and and again it took me a, a long time to get to that point so every time since like i've tried to refine my process so that i'm only focusing on the important stuff you know i have my routine in the morning my morning i focus on important stuff health uh and learning like development like that's the first three hours that that is anything after that is cool but within that time like i get to think about okay what are the next steps that i need to take to grow myself personally what are the next steps that i need to take to to grow the business i've got allocated time in my week now where i take a clarity break literally no tech take my journal go out for coffee sit down for an hour i'm like cool whatever comes out goes down on paper and then you know i, I review that after a couple of days and think is this a plausible idea or not and any all the plausible ideas go in a um uh, a file I've got in, in Evernote and every now and again, I, I will check through and say, look, is now the right time to implement this? Yes or no? You know, does this idea coincide with something that I'm focusing on right now? Yes or no? If it does, great. I'll, I'll consider it and see whether I can implement it. But I think, I think, yeah, man, time allocation is, is super important. And, and again, I've only learned that as I've gotten older and more experienced and, you know, it's, you, you just, you have to figure it out sooner or later. Otherwise, you're just going to, you know, you hit a glass ceiling. And if you want to break through that, you, you kind of need to change your approach. What you've done to get yourself here isn't what you need to do to get yourself there. Amen. Amen. Man, that's, that's the juice right there. Look at where this conversation went from leads to time allocation. I, I freaking love it personally. Mm -hmm. I would encourage everyone listening right now. I love what uh, that analogy said, Angel. Are you an I, a we, or a they? What category are you in? It's a humbling question to ask yourself. Angel, I don't know if you have any last questions here, man, uh, but I'll go ahead and, and wrap this up. I have two two last ones for you here, Matt, and we, we can keep this quick and direct. Number one, 
where can people find you at? Uh, we'll link everything below, let them know where they can find you and then leave them with one last nugget, man. One last juice that you want to leave these cleaning owners with your best piece Um, of advice. Yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Matt Harris, or, um, on Twitter, I am underscore Matt Harris. Um, and in terms of the last little nugget, um, look, man, I'm going to keep it real. Get yourself a CRM, go to HubSpot. It's free, free use it because I, I i guarantee you that in 12 18 months time that's going to start making you money it just is um that's the nugget I, i'm sorry it can't be anything more revelatory but we start well, how it's practical we, we started right that's yeah that's it. i love it matt thank you so much brother we're going to link everything up guys go follow him go check out his podcast um, if you are on twitter i'm a big twitter guy like matt i'm telling you he's the follow to be at so matt appreciate it man thank you guys